You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Hi, I'm Rick Huttenlocker, and we're on safari in the Kruger National Park in South Africa. The reading is from 1 Kings chapter 10. When the, king, when the queen of Sheba heard reports about Solomon, due to the Lord's name, she came to test him with riddles. Accompanying her to Jerusalem was a huge entourage with camels carrying spices, a large amount of gold, and precious stones. After she arrived, she told Solomon everything that was on her mind. Solomon answered all of her questions. Nothing was too difficult for him to answer. When the queen of Sheba saw how wise Solomon was, the palace he had built, the food on his table, the servants' quarters, the function and dress of his attendants, his cupbearers, and the entirety burned offerings that he offered at the Lord's temple, it took her breath away. The report I heard about your deeds and wisdom came when I was still at home is true, she said to the king. I didn't believe it until I came and I saw it with my own eyes. In fact, the half of it wasn't even told to me. You have far more wisdom and wealth than I was told. The queen gave the king 120 kickers of gold, a great quantity of spice, and precious stones. Never again has so much spice come to Israel as when the queen of Sheba gave this gift to King Solomon. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba everything she wanted and all that she had asked for in addition to what he had already given her from his own personal funds. Then she and her servants returned to her homeland. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. On the road again Going places that I've never been Seeing things that I may never see again I can't wait to get on the road again Please join me in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I have with me this morning an elephant that traveled back with me from Kenya. I was on a mission trip with my church that I grew up with, and I bought this wooden elephant as a travel souvenir. Well then, several years later, I felt God calling me into ministry, and as I looked back on this trip to Kenya, it became for me almost a call before I knew that I had a call. And I think back of those moments on that trip and how my eyes were opened to the reality, the vastness of the world, the vastness of the world's beauty and the world's poverty and the, the world's richness in culture and music. And I have this elephant as a reminder of my trip. I keep it in my office and I have since I began ministry as a visual reminder of that journey that I took. I'm going to place it back on the altar 
I bet that you have your own travel souvenirs, things that you have brought back from places that you've been that remind you what you did there and what you saw. I think, in part, we're attracted to travel souvenirs because they help us remember. They're physical reminders of an experience or an important moment in time. And so in January in Michigan, when we look at our refrigerator magnet from a trip to Florida, we remember the sandy beaches and the sunny skies and the warm weather and we think to ourselves, ah yes, it is possible to live in a situation that is above freezing. It will happen once again here in Michigan. And when we see a beautiful piece of art that we got on vacation, perhaps, we remember the time or the place or the artist or the situation that brought us to bringing back that souvenir. It's good to remember. Now we heard a scripture reading this morning read by Rick Huttenlocker on vacation. I think it's fair to say that not many sermons are preached on the Queen of Sheba, certainly not in Protestant churches. But it turns out she is a fascinating character. It's a story that's shared across various traditions. The Queen of Sheba not only appears in 1 Kings in our Bible, but also 2 Chronicles, that book that uh, duplicates large large swaths from the kings. And then versions of her story are also told in the Quran, in the Islamic tradition, as well as in Jewish Midrash. And the origin story of Ethiopia includes the Queen of Sheba as a central character. Now, historically, there's tons of evidence when we look at Solomon and his reign and his time in Jerusalem. We can pinpoint dates and buildings, certainly, and there is a lot to be found there. But the Queen of Sheba's legacy, it's a little less tangible and perhaps as a result even more captivating. The Bible doesn't give her a name. Islamic traditions call her Bilkis, and Ethiopian tradition knows her as Makeda, And some Jewish retellings associate her with a very negative character named Lilith. But the only thing that we know about her in the Bible is her country of origin, Sheba. But the truth is, we're not even really sure where Sheba was. Generally, we know it was in the south. We know it was south of Israel, south of Jerusalem. And scholars are divided. Was this part of Africa, the eastern part of Africa, maybe modern-day Ethiopia, or perhaps she came from southern Arabia just across the Red Sea. When you look on a map, those areas are quite close together even though they're in different continents. The details in this different story, or in this famous encounter across the different stories, the details differ. Uh, However, one thing remains true. The queen comes seeking wisdom. And she gives gifts to mark this important moment in time. And the king, King Solomon, gives gifts in return. Physical reminders of the journey that was taken. And every time King Solomon's court enjoyed these spices from abroad, they would remember the queen and her long, arduous journey to visit King Solomon's court. Likewise for the queen and her entourage, because she returned home carrying all kinds of gifts that probably would have caused them to remember and recount the stories of their trip north. Now, we've been through a lot in the last couple of years, and I think part of what happened to us over 
since March 2020 when the pandemic lockdown happened is that we lost a lot of the ways that we remember and mark significant moments in our lives. We had weddings canceled and baptisms postponed and many of the things that we usually use to celebrate and remember and mark time and help us say, ah, yes, that was, that was January of that year. We, we lost some of those things. And we're not really sure how to tell the stories of that time because so many of the things blur together. Those touchstones that we usually turn to, birthdays, Thanksgiving dinners, they just were different. And now we've found, of course, that we don't need to share a physical space to share a significant moment together. And we've been reminded that not all gifts that we share need to come in boxes wrapped up with bows. These are lessons that we learned. And yet, we find ourselves emerging into this new reality really hungry to mark moments and eager to savor experiences, ready to go on a journey and seeking that which means something in our lives and in the lives of our families. In the words of Thoreau, we want to suck out all the marrow of life. We're ready for that. We're ready to write the next chapter in our stories. And the story of the Queen of Sheba reminds us to pursue those journeys that matter. Her road trip to visit Solomon, it was not short. It was more than 2,000 miles on foot. It was not an inexpensive trip. It would have been very costly to take such a large group of people far north with her carrying all the things she was carrying. It was not a trip without danger because any road trip in those days was fraught with peril. It was an event that probably took months, if not years, of time to prepare for, to get ready for this trip. And it was the trip of a lifetime, perhaps the trip of a thousand lifetimes if we consider the fact that we're still reading it thousands of years later and talking about her story, her trip. She felt compelled to travel these thousands of miles because she'd heard something, was ama- something amazing was happening in King Solomon's kingdom. And God, we know, was doing something amazing. She was looking for wisdom. She was looking for answers to questions. She was looking to find something special. She knew that this time and this place, this journey was important. It was worth doing. And so she carted along her cargo load of spices and she trekked uh, out into the unknown to seek that which she knew to be significant. And we may not know if she originated in Ethiopia or South Arabia, but the regions were similar in many ways, including the spices that they typically exported. And the spices exported in those regions were most often myrrh, and frankincense. And about a thousand years later, give or take, royal figures would once again travel thousands of miles carrying spices of myrrh and frankincense, seeking something special. In that case, they were following a star, trusting that they would find what they sought, trusting it would lead them to a newborn king. And Many of us know this Christmas story. Mary and Joseph would have looked at those gifts of myrrh and frankincense and treasured in their heart this story of these wise men traveling to bring them gifts to celebrate the birth of Jesus. A challenging journey marking a significant moment. We see physical objects becoming reminders throughout Scripture. For the Israelites, rock monuments were often built 
as visual reminders. Like when God led the people through the Jordan River, the next commandment is, let us build a monument with 12 stones to mark the 12 tribes to help us remember the story of how God led us through. And then, of course, we have Solomon, who spent most of his life, most of his uh, kingly time, building one of the most dramatic reminders of all, the temple. The temple as a reminder of God's goodness and God's faithfulness so that all who saw it would be reminded of the story. They would look at that temple and think, God is great. Later in scripture, we find Jesus. And he doesn't need a fancy temple. He uses mundane objects as reminders of our spiritual journey. We find him using water. And suddenly at the hands of Jesus, water becomes a reminder of God's love and God's grace. And in the hands of Jesus, simple things like bread and wine become reminders of Jesus' very essence, Jesus' sacrificial love, outward and visible signs of an inward and invisible grace, markers of our spiritual journey. Even today, we replicate this process looking for those physical things that can remind us of our spiritual, our emotional, our historical stories. That's why we wear things like wedding rings. My daughter often asks me, why are you wearing that ring, Mom? And I say, it's a reminder that I'm married. Many of us carry these symbols as outward and visible signs of a commitment that we've made. The specific story we're focusing on today celebrates a journey. In much the same way those monuments the Israelites built celebrated God's deliverance or a wedding ring celebrates a marriage. The Queen of Sheba in all her grandeur encounters the King of Solomon in all of his wisdom and this remarkable time, this remarkable moment ensues. But the larger narrative of scripture shows us that not all journeys are celebratory and the path doesn't have to be entirely easy or joyful, to be worthy of remembering, to be worthy of marking. The story doesn't need to be full of triumphs to be told. Think of the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years, lost, without direction for decades. If you were lost for that long, most of us would not feel comfortable telling that story to anybody, let alone retelling and retelling and retelling that story. And yet, that's what the Israelites do. Ultimately, they found deliverance, and they say, you know, 40 years we got it wrong, but in the end, God brought us through. And the Jewish people acknowledge this difficult journey every single year through the holiday of Passover. And the Jewish people really are not afraid to recount the many times that God's people were stubborn or stiff-necked or made mistakes. That's part of the narrative, these difficult moments Over and over again, the Israelites doubted and they made the wrong choices and yet that's part of the story that is celebrated and acknowledged and remembered. It doesn't all have to be rosy to be part of the story. And of course, the central narrative of our life as Christians is that of Jesus Christ. And certainly many things in his life were celebratory. We celebrate the miracles and we celebrate the healings and we celebrate feeding of a thousand people But the core of the story is also one of pain. The core of the story is one of sacrifice and of death. And so we hang what really amounts to a torture device in our sanctuary 
the cross as a physical reminder of our spiritual story, that God is with us even through suffering and death. And even these most difficult moments of our stories are worth telling and worth marking. And in the eyes of God, our most difficult moment, our worst moment, that does not have to be our defining moment. It doesn't have to be our last moment. As followers of Jesus, we then become living reminders to one another as well of faith, of love, of grace, of what is possible through God. And when we lean into our calling, we become those living memorials of God's faithfulness. Our lives are intended to reflect God's love so that when people meet us, they say, I see that something special is happening here. And it's not about us if they see something like that. It's about God and what God is doing. We can become for others reminders of love and reminders of hope and reminders of resurrection. And we all have these people in our lives. Can you picture the face of somebody in your life who reminds you, for example, what it means to be welcoming? Can you picture that face, somebody welcoming in your life? Can you picture the face of somebody who reminds you how to be patient? We all need those people. Can you picture the face of someone who inspires you to be a little more kind? We need these reminders. We need these reminders of what we've been through. We need these reminders of where God is calling us. Because no matter where we are in the story, God is faithful. And so our task as people of faith is twofold. To remember our story. To remember where we've been. And then to help others remember their own. Each of our stories is unique. And they're worthy of telling. So the question this morning I'd like to ask you is what stories is God calling you to acknowledge in your life? Perhaps to celebrate, perhaps to commemorate, perhaps simply just to say, that's something I've been through and emerged on the other side. And then what will you do to help yourself remember these stories? Whether it's to remember and give thanks or to remember and say, I'm not going back or to remember and say, look who I've become now that I've emerged on the other side. Maybe there's a story you've never really told, or a story that's yet to unfold that God is calling you to. May we not be afraid to take a risky journey. May we not be afraid to mark the occasion. May we be people like the Queen of Sheba who seek that what matters. And may we be people who remember, like Jesus, that no matter where we are in the story, God is faithful and God is with us. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at Clarkston UMC dot o-r-g